Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardi. Those are great guys on all social media platforms and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. back here inside studio z the sebi podcast radio show season three episode 13 of our great show myself and michael gray uh, the tandem that we are as well gorgeous evening this past week to stay in uh the new jersey new york area for the uh remaining of the up until about 2022 you know so so it's um it's no, it's gonna be no longer dmv mike for a while it's gonna be uh new jersey tri-state area mike <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, DMV is still home. Don't, don't get it twisted. It's always going to be home, you know, but right now. Oh, Tri-State area, man. All here, right, here, okay. Um, okay. to this new, this, this new wave, this new area. <laughs> I'm in uh, New Jersey. Okay, that I'm in New boy Jersey. Loving yeah, the Tri-State yeah, areas yeah. as well. And, uh, where and, uh, where and, you currently at right now? Outside of Newark, not too far, so. You're in New Jersey, um, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, I got some family up there in Newark and also in Union City in New Jersey. So um, hats off. Mike's staying in the Garden State. That's right. They call it the Garden State. So uh, that is good indeed. And for us, again, we shift our focus uh, to sports where we had a great week, Mike. We're talking about week nine of the NFL. Um, A lot of great stuff. Um, that is going on. Uh, you talk about some of the biggest winners in this past week. Tua Tagovailoa now two and zero with the Dolphins. Don't look now, but the Dolphins now, Mike, are five and three winners of four straight. And who else? Another winner. We're talking about what Dalvin Cook has done these last two games. Only compared to the great yeah. OJ Simpson. And the great Walter Payton putting up Mike over 500 yards on the ground, uh, catapulting, backpacking this Vikings team uh, to a three and five record as they look to potentially make a midseason run uh, to get back into the race um, in the NFC. How's it shaping up? We know this year is a seven team playoff, not re- not your typical six team. So we'll see what the Vikes can do um, behind number 33. And, of course, oh, yeah. other big winners as well. Lamar Jackson, they needed to get back on track, Mike. And Lamar did it in that second half. But we can't start off because the biggest winner of this week nine was the New Orleans Saints, Mike. And I think that's where we should start off. The Saints being four and a half underdogs going into Tampa. This is a Tampa team that was rolling, Mike, really rolling. Tom Brady was in MVP considerations third in the league in touchdowns uh, to only four picks. This team was rolling. Gronk was getting involved. Uh, You had AB coming in. The defense was flying around. They had a top 10 defense, and they were second in the NFL only to the Pittsburgh Steelers in sacks, Mike. So, and then the New Orleans Saints just gave them a rude awakening. Absolutely. And when you look at the NFC South, it was very telling to me when I watched the New Orleans Saints run roughshod all over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was you had a situation where you had a team that's trying to figure themselves out currently versus a team that's been there before and has been one of the most consistent regular season teams over the last four years. Tampa Bay is still a team that's trying to figure them, find their cohesive, um, find their cohesion offensively and um, as a total team. You know, they're plugging in new players. Antonio Brown's first game back. 
you know, uh, Gronk, like you said, Gronk is finally starting to get his legs under him, and Brady and, and Gronk are getting that connection back. You have so many different players, you know, tr- trying to fit into this system and so, so many uncertainties for this Tampa Bay team. Whereas on the other side, you have Sean Payton and Drew Brees, who have been one of the longest uh, tenured quarterback head coaching duo in the NFL right now. It's, it's, a, it's a consistent, cohesive unit that we've seen from the New Orleans Saints. It's not a question of what they have to figure out or what, what moves they have to make or who do they have to plug into their system. This is a team that already has a, a system. They already have players that are bought into this system, and they know how to win regular season football games as they've been the most successful regular season team over the last three or four years. So that's, that's all there was in this game. This, this, is, this was a team that, that looked, they looked more cohesive. They looked, they looked um, together. They, they, put, they put all the pieces together on both sides of the ball, and they came out and said enough is enough. They heard that they were the underdogs all week. They know how good this Tampa Bay team is, so they were locked in, ready to go. And they said, enough with the talk. We need to let remind people and let everybody know that we are still the face of this of this uh, division in the NFC South. And that's exactly what they showed by getting their second dominant victory against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This told me more about the New Orleans Saints than it did about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, it did, Mike. And more importantly, they win the season meetings between these two teams. So the tiebreaker, the Saints have that, and that can bode well for them as we get into a lot of parts of the season. Mike and, and the Saints don't look now after a one and two start, they've wrapped up five straight and without Mike Thomas. That's very impressive. What was more important to me that, that stood out to me, Mike, was Dennis Allen. Because you think about the Saints, yes, they got some great players on the defense. You know about Marshawn Lattimore, we know how great Cameron Jordan is, but uh, quietly, this defense is starting to um round into form. Uh, you know, Gerardo yes. Davis and, and some of these other guys that they have, PJ Williams, they're starting to play. Uh, Jack Rabbit, we know how great he's been with your New York football giants. And all of a sudden, the key pieces are starting to come. And I love the game plan Dennis Allen did. They said that, all right, okay, this is what we're going to do. What's been a blueprint to stopping Brady? You're going to have to get pressure up front with four and, and with six, with five. You got to come and you got to pressure him. You got to blitz. Now, we know Brady's great against the blitz, but they did a great job scheming ways to get some of their athlete players uh, uh, to to be able to confuse Tom Brady, something that you know Brady's seen all the all the defensive schemes throughout his career. But I think Dennis Allen did a great job against them, and you know you can't stop all these elite receivers, right? What they said was, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna double AB. We're gonna double. Uh, um, we're gonna double AB, and we're gonna double Gronk. We know Marshawn Lattimore. You got beef with Mike Evans. You've had, you've owned Mike Evans thus far since entering the league. We don't believe one on one that as great as Chris Godwin is, he can beat us one on one in the slot, and that's was the difference maker. Jack Rabbit was on uh, uh, AB. They put Marshawn on Mike Evans, and they said, you know what? Let's tangle. And at the end, I thought Tampa the defensive game no plan for the Saints and was, was the telling story of this ball game. Could not be stopped in the first half. That fumble that um that Jared Cook um that that Jared Cook had at the goal line when they were up seven nothing had they would had it not been for that fumble along with the drop that he had in the red zone on third and seven uh which which held them to a field goal that score could have easily been forty two to nothing at halftime I mean New Orleans offensively could not be stopped in the first half they did whatever they wanted to and you know the the the, the saying about Drew Brees and about uh, this New Orleans offense is is their inability to push the ball down the field and Drew Brees' inability to get to, to get the big plays. But at the same time, when you're consistently getting positive yards, because you have a quarterback that knows how to uh, uh, check the ball down and is not forcing the play, forcing the ball down the field into uh, into traffic or into bad situations. When you have a situation like that, at the end of the day, he doesn't have to have the big play because other plays and intermediate plays can get you can get it done for you as well. And that's what New Orleans is showing us right now. They're showing that they don't need to have a consistent big play on every single play. They they they, they know that they can march the ball down the field, time of possession, continue to keep that defense off the field. And uh, but you're absolutely right. The, the defense was the telling story because defensively, I mean, they they dominated that entire first half with turnovers and getting stops on th- key stops on third down. Pressure. It was a big time win for the New Orleans Saints. Before New Orleans, great in the regular season. They'll be judged what they do in the postseason. Huge, huge getting Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas back for the Saints. Uh, they're they're ready to make another deep postseason run uh, there as well. 
And I want to talk to you about the Pittsburgh Steelers, not your typical performance. You thought about a team that came in seven and zero, red hot, um, especially defensively, number one against the pass, number one against the run. You can't do either or against them and against a very inferior foe like the Dallas Cowboys. You thought that, you know, the Steelers would probably put their uh, foot on their throats, but give credit to the Cowboys. They made a game off of it, but I think late one team yes, has the Cowboys, more talent uh, than the, the other. And I thought Big Ben yet again, engineering Mike, you another fourth they, quarter they comeback. The Cowboys for granted to some degree. And the Cowboys treated this like this was their Super Bowl because the Cowboys are one of those weird teams where, yes, they are two and six or had a two and six record at the time. But if you look at talent wise, they have the ability to match up with teams like Pittsburgh and actually get the job done. And you saw that early on. You saw them make plays defensively. They dominated this game on the defensive side of the ball early on in the first half. Pittsburgh got that drive uh, late and um, before the half before halftime uh, that that touchdown to James Washington, which was able to give them a little bit more rhythm offensively going into that second half, and they looked much more sharp. But at the same time, they still took took this team for granted a little bit in the first half. I'm not sure what what they expected from Garrett Gilbert at the quarterback position since they hadn't seen much of him. So it was it was one of those situations where yes. At the same time, you got to give credit to the Cowboys because they came out and they fought. They they they, they fought hard, and their players played like stars. The the, the hundred million dollar man, Demarcus Lawrence, was getting pressure. Jalen Smith was get was uh was out there making plays. These guys were making plays early on, but like you said, Pittsburgh in the end, when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, when they needed to make plays, Big Ben Roethlisberger was the key. Minka Fitzpatrick was also big for them defensively with that interception in the in the uh in the red zone to stop points. It was um it was a it was a it was it was huge. The the Steelers made plays when they big time plays when they needed to, but even they will tell you games like huge. this can can help you because it's two things. It's it's it's, it's a good it's a, it's a good and a bad. It's a good thing because games like these winning close games shapes character for a team and and it helps you uh, getting forward moving forward towards the playoffs. But it can also be a bad thing because you don't want to get into a habit of taking teams lightly. Getting closer and closer as we get to the playoffs. You want to get into a habit of playing your best football, so it doesn't have to always go down to these close games against inferior opponents that you should that you should be dominating. So I see I see a, a positive and a negative reaction coming out of this win for Pittsburgh. But all in all, at the end of the day, a win is a win, and that's what they got. They're eight zero, and uh, Pittsburgh looks very tough, and they handled their business. Yes, it cool, but I think we both believe Pittsburgh will be all right. But it is something to say. Sometimes adversity can also be a great thing for a very good team like that. Mm-hmm. As it stands, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the top seed in the AFC, another one of the biggest winners of Week Nine, the Buffalo Bills. Mike Josh Allen, what a show he put on! Over four hundred yards through the air, four TDs, including one on the ground. Uh, the defense stepped up. You're talking about continuous pressure in sacks against uh, the guy that I believe it was the uh, MVP thus far um, through nine games in this weekend. You saw they got after him with four, Tredavious White and Josh Norman in the back end make plays. The Buffalo Bills, seven and two. They definitely do, man. This Buffalo team is special because they have it on And I think they got their sights on potentially a special season going into the postseason. They were uh, uh, putting, putting on a show. Josh Allen, and this team were putting on a, a big time show offensively early on, you know, with the with the big plays and Josh Allen uh, finding a way to uh, uh, avoid pressure and, and still find his players down the field. Stephon Diggs had a great game. I mean, th- this guy Josh Allen, not only does he have the arm strength, but he has the the velocity. He has uh, the legs to be able to scramble out the pocket in case you know it gets tight. It gets tight back there. So it's 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 a very good football team that we had because Seattle, Seattle had an opportunity to come back in that third quarter. You know, you saw them draw closer and, and uh, you know, you saw Russell Wilson try to try to make a comeback of it. But at the end, at the same time, this, this Buffalo team was too much. They were too poised. They were too ready. And they, they countered every, every um punch that Seattle was ready to throw at them. And they, they, um they, they bought it. They bought, they bought it heavy. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued because you got to know, Sebi coming into this game for Buffalo, they were going on. A, um, they weren't looking good for their their previous two or three games. You know, losing to Tennessee, losing how they lost to Kansas City, and, and things like that. They they weren't looking as well. But sometimes throughout a season, when you're a good football team, you'll go through those lapses like that, where you know you you're not playing your best football. But this was the game right here that can shape them moving forward for the rest of the season, and it's showing what this Buffalo team is really capable of. 
because uh, they, they balled out against a very good Seattle team. Of course, Kyler Murray, he didn't do bad himself uh, there as well. What a guy that he is. And speaking of the Dolphins and some of these great teams, that leads us to our midseason picks, our midseason awards, Mike. Um, this is the time where thus far through the small sample size, we get to pick the best players and the standout performers My coach thus of the far year through the first half Mike of the Tom. season. We'll Mike start Tom off with our coach of the year, Mike, and your coach of the year for so you. Um, he's, he's, the, he's a leader of men. He's, he's, one, of the best, he's yeah. one of the best leaders of men in the NFL, if not the best. And what he's doing this year with this 8-0 bunch, what he did last year with the team without Big Ben was telling. But now that he has Big Ben back and this, this team has a, is a, a more cohesive unit, a more um, more stout on all levels, I love what I'm seeing from the Steelers. I love what I'm seeing from Mike Tomlin. He has, he has these guys ready to run through a brick wall for him. He's my coach of the year right now. Actually going to counter that, I am going to go with Brian Flores, what he's done with the Dolphins. This is a Dolphins team that I thought would be much improved, but I didn't expect them to be this improved um, and potentially knocking on the door on a baby wild card berth. Um, no disrespect to Mike Tomlin, great leader of men, uh, eight no for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think without Brian Flores, we see how the Dolphins wow. are without in disarray. So I'm going to go with Man. Brian Flores as my coach of my the comeback year. Your comeback player of the year, Mike. It's, it's a toss-up, Sebi. I, um, I love how Big Ben is playing right now. But at the same time, I also love how – I'm going I'm to go with Big Ben. I'm going to go with Big Ben so far. So far, I'm going to go with Big Ben. I like how he's playing this year and what he's leading this team to. I'm going to go with Ben Roth. We'll agree with that. I think Big Ben Roethlisberger has been a huge reason why – Pittsburgh Steelers is where they're at. Obviously, the defense, we know um, how elite they are um, with the players that they got on that side. But sometimes we see the offense. Sometimes we rather pedestrian and anemic and, yeah. and from getting slow starts. But in the second half, Big Ben is woken up, getting guys like Claypool, making a name for himself, coming out of nowhere from Notre Dame. And then we know about Juju Smith-Schuster. But getting guys yeah. in, in the, the national stage, getting involved in thinking about guys like Deontay Thompson and Deontay Johnson, excuse me, um, who people don't know about. That is because of the equalizer of Big Ben Roethlisberger. We know how the Steelers are with Mason Rudolph and also Duck Hodges. Big Ben Roethlisberger well, is definitely my comeback so player of Justin. the year. Uh, what about your offensive Justin rookie like of the year, uh, he's 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 very poised in the pocket. Uh, I I love I love the the overall the over his overall game because he has command of the team. And from the jump when he when he became the starter against Kansas City, what he was able to do almost beating them, and then that the exceeding that using that confidence to propel him for the rest of the way and what he's done now. I'm gonna go with Justin Herbert. And I'm gonna go agree with that as well, Mike. Um, Joe Burrow, obviously we know what he's done. Uh, of 300 yards he's gonna be special for years to come um as well Uh, but justin herbert i mean he's exceeds he's exceeded my expectations mike 17 tds 25 picks as a rookie um you know and he's gotten the wins he's gotten in the close games and things of that nature um not a guy that expected to even start um all these games this year It it was supposed to be tyrod taylor as the starter he goes down they don't miss a beat you get Justin Herbert, and he's picked off where he's left off in Oregon, 17-5 and five, um, touchdown to interception ratio. Um, he has stood out to me hands I'm down gonna go with Patrick um, Queen as the, the offensive rookie of the year thus far. The, we talk about the, the defensive love, rookie of the year, Mike. Just, 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 he, he, he doesn't play like a rookie to me, Seb. He plays like a, like a five-year, five- to ten-year vet that's been there before him. You know, I think the fact that he's with Baltimore and being in that system and being in that organization has a lot to do with it. I love what I'm seeing from the young king. I'm, I'm going to give it to Patrick Queen. <laughs> it's funny how you go young king and young queen okay. uh, with that. Uh, there is great. <laughs> funny there. I'm going to go with Antoine Winkfield Jr., uh, the safety, rookie safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and immediate impact, Mike, immediate impact. We know how dismantle that that buck secondary was he comes in and makes an immediate impact we know how great his father was in that slot as a slot corner um you can ask all the great slot receivers how good antoine wingfield senior was and he's just got that blood in him mike antoine wingfield you the guy can cover in space he can tackle in space you need him to blitz 
You can put him down in the box. Um, the, he's your hybrid safety that the league is starting to go to now. You need a guy like Abuda Baker and, and others that can just roam around your defense and just fly around. I like this. I like this kid. I like this Antoine Winfield Jr. guy. He's my defensive rookie of the year thus far here. And that go with, ultimately um, leads us to our last Chris, two uh, questions here. Our NFL executive of the year, Mike, thus far. But the guy from my the GM from my he's done a great job shaping this organization. And um he's he's just he's done he's done an amazing job. I love it. I love bringing in Brian Flores in the first place and having him there, but just letting him coach and be the guy. But I love it. But I love what he's done with the players, with the drafts, and everything. I'm gonna go with with the guy from Miami. This Mike, we still have cool. two other awards to 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 uh, uh, award there. I, I I just remembered that, but uh, we'll get to those later. I am going to say Russell Wilson um, has been my MVP. Now, look, guy, you guys can can say this, say that. Uh, through nine games, mm-hmm. this guy's had uh, 28 touchdowns. Uh, he might surpass, actually, what Peyton and Brady done, uh, act, breaking those statistical records. But also <laughs> those seven yeah. picks that he has. Now, hey, I can't blame you, Mike. Patrick Mahomes, 25-1. and one. <laughs> like, the, the guy's putting up video on the game numbers. You got to be kidding me. But I, I just thought that, you know, Russell Wilson has had more moments through these first weeks, that's like, wow, he did that. He did this. He did that. That's insane. Like, how did DK catch that? How did he fit that ball in there? I thought that he had more wow moments, and I give him just the slightest edge, but, hey, I can't go against what Patrick Mahomes has done as well um, uh, thus far uh, through these weeks. So um, it it was really, really, really close, man, but uh, I, I love what he's done. Um, but he would be my MVP quickly here, Mike. Before wow. we shift offensive gears to our segment two, well, offensive, um, offensive our player offensive of the player of the year would be, would be who? It would have to be Russell. Like before, all the reasons that you said, Patrick Mahomes would be my MVP. But offensive player, offensive player of the year, I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm gonna go with Russ. I'm going with, like for for all, all the reasons that you said about you know the wild moments and things of that nature. He deserves that. This one was really hard, Mike. There's a lot of candidates. You got Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I mean, you've got guys like Kyler Murray. This this was really, really, really hard. Um, what Alvin Kamara's done in the absence of Michael Thomas can't be ignored, Mike. He's kept this Saints team afloat. Um, I love what he's done. But I'm actually going to okay. uh, go out on a limb here and think outside the box. I'm going to say Devontae Adams. Mike, what Devontae Adams has done right now um, through these four four seasons, Mike, three seasons of 10-plus TDs, I don't know how he does it. I, I don't know how he does it. Obviously, it helps to have, you know, Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. But this guy, I mean, outside of Julio, uh, Julio Jones and maybe even Chad Ochocinco, the way that he just beats people off a of release. I mean, the, the smoothness, the ability for him to route run, and then in the end zone, in the red zone, he's just a red zone nightmare. Being able to put up touchdowns, he is tied with Tyreek Hill right now for the league touchdown receptions. Devontae Adams, Mike, and I don't think oh, no Chevy. receivers playing better than him at the moment. He would be my, uh, actually, my offensive player of the year. Um, Very you have so right much so for sorry. Green Bay being their sole, their sole weapon on offense. The way Dalvin Cook is playing, I got to go with Dalvin Cook. It, it can't be Russell. <laughs> it has to be Dalvin Cook for me. Dalvin Cook has been special. Yeah, I'm going with Dalvin. It's not leading the league in sacks right now. The pressure that he gets on a quarterback on a consistent basis throughout a game is, is special. And you, you would have to watch a full Steelers game to really see how dominant T.J. Watt has been this year. He's been very dominant. Getting pressure on the quarterback, you know, Aaron, but Aaron Donald has been sensational as well. So if I had to lean towards somebody, I would lean towards TJ Watt. I love what I'm seeing from him so far this year. Mike, I would agree with you. I think this is a no brainer. If you tell me, right. uh, look, Aaron Donald, I think he's the best player in the NFL outside that that is not named the quarterback. Aaron Donald, he's special. The best player in the NFL, not named the quarterback. You can say he's been the best <laughs> defensive player for the next last five or six seasons. That's how great he's been. But TJ Watt <laughs> um, is just special, Mike. Oh, yes, yeah. he hasn't gotten the sacks and, and stuff like that. But with the impact, Mike, oh, the yeah. hurries, the hurries don't go on the stats. 
the pressures don't go in the stats. The tackle for loss is done. He's had quite a bit of those um, behind the line of scrimmage. I think T.J. Watt, okay. what he's oh, done yeah. to him outside, also with Bud Dupree, they're quietly being one of the best pass-rushing duos in the NFL. Okay. Um, and they've made life absolutely easy for guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and Suton yeah. and Joe Hayden in that back end. So, <laughs> oh, man, it's crazy. They have two sons the same team, man. It's funny, the Watt brothers. You'd love to be their parents, Mike. <laughs> That's crazy. You got you to be – you got to – your, your father got to be a man. Can you imagine <laughs> uh, all of the fights that these man. guys had growing up? Uh, all the wrestling fights. <laughs> He's got to be a man for sure. And that actually wraps up our segment thus far on the NFL portion. When we. Final segment, Mike, here with the uh, NBA, actually, and also with college football, excuse me. (laughs) Uh, We've been mixing up sports there. Um, Back to the NBA. Quick news, Mike. Um, Some quick headers. We know that free agency will be starting the same time as the NBA draft. That is going to start the 18th of November that starts this week and also guys can actually start signing and verbally signing with teams starting the 20th they can't sign until the 20th at 1159 but they can give them the say so starting the 18th quick news here the Oklahoma City Thunder are engaging words and negotiations on a trade with Chris Paul Chris Paul to the desert potentially Booker and Paul backcourt that is what uh, Monty Williams would like to envision out there in Phoenix. That's what they're talking right now. And then Russell Westbrook in talks with the Clippers and Knicks are yeah. interested there. Just some quick news, pre-quick news before, of course, the free agency market opens. Yeah, that's interesting because um, Devin Booker, is, it's been talks that he wants out. And, you know, for, for Devin Booker that can, to get a point guard like Chris Paul that can <clears throat> Run the floor and be the, bring that command and that leadership to a to a team. That might be a a piece, a missing key piece that might keep keep allure and keep Devin Booker in Phoenix. Because um, I'm telling you right now that I, I, in my opinion, this is one of the best the best teams that he's 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 had assembled, and it it'd be, it would be tough to see him go. But uh, Chris Paul would definitely be a, a a nice reason to stay in Phoenix. For sure. Yes, a nice reason and, for sure. For, for for sure, ballot Hall of Famer, Mike. You're talking about that. I can go in, knows how to be a leader. And I think that's what they're, they're looking for, a guy that's undoubtedly a leader. And for yeah. such a young team, we saw what he's done last year with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Chagill, just Alexander, shine. Guys like Dort being able to just be a leader on the floor. And mm-hmm. I think that is the direction that the Suns are looking for to pair up with the greatness of Devin Booker and how great of a talent that he is. That is things to, to come. Other big news in the NBA, Mike, 72-game season is officially yep. done. The NBA and the NBA PA have agreed to that. The season will presumably start the 22nd of December, three days before Christmas. We expect the Christmas Day games to be, obviously, the marquee primetime matchups. Um so, your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I, as a fan, you know me, I'm excited. I'm excited to see basketball, and I'm excited to make sure that, you know, on Christmas Day, I'll have some good uh, – I'll enjoy some good food while being able to watch some good basketball uh, some, with some top-tier um, competition. But, uh, you know, for the, from the players' perspective, I know certain players, especially the teams that were in the bubble, uh, are, not, are not too fond of it. I know that in, that as, a, as a collective, they all agreed on this to happen. But, you know, I know there's going to be some riffles about, you know – about people that didn't like this this decision and things of that nature. But I understand that at the end of the day, you know, th- these are grown men. These are professionals. They'll handle their business. They'll make sure that they, they adapt and they, um, they they get their bodies right. They stay in shape. 
and uh, and they get an early start on, um, on on getting that cohesive that cohesion with their other players. So um, uh, as a fan, I love it, and as a player, I, and for the players, I understand that they they know it's a quick turnaround and they have to get to it fast. Yes, they do. They have to get quick, turn it to quick, fast, just a little over a week away from the NBA draft. And all of a sudden, Mike, that young other ball got kid. That's right. Yes. LaMelo ball has started to creep up into that one line as the top pick in this NBA draft. I think scouts, they've, they look at the upside. They look at the size. They think the, the attributes, the passing, everything that he can do comparisons of Magic Johnson and Trey Young uh, 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 as of late has been compared to young LaMelo Ball. And it, as it stands right now, multiple sources and executives think that the Wolves will take him at one. But there's other teams and other guys that are creeping up. Devin Vassell out of Florida State starting to creep up in that lottery line. You got guys like Cole Anthony who only played short stints this season out of North Carolina starting to creep up in that top 10 line. So Things to come in November. Yeah, 18th. definitely for sure. You know, and um, you know, Minnesota seems to be a, a lock to potentially take him. If, if Minnesota doesn't take him, I'm sure they'll be interested or they'll um, entertain some tr- potential trade talks uh, for that pick. For that pick, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where it entails of where Lamelo might go, where some of these players might go. James Wiseman is somebody that needs to be in that conversation as well about being a top, top, you know, top two, yes, top five yes, indeed, in that man. conversation because, because of his size and ability, what he can do on the block. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they go, what route these teams take as far as who's going to take the number one pick. But um, uh, it all all signs look to see that LaMelo ball more than likely will be the first player pick. Yes, I, I, I think that as well. A guy like Anthony Edwards, mm, Mike, should be absolutely. in that category as well. Yes, Anthony Edwards, what he can do on both ends of the floor out of Georgia um, as well. You think about Tom Crean, the guys that he's coached, Dwayne Wade, Oladipo, and now Anthony Edwards. He knows how to coach guards. So now um, he comes into the league. Um, To you, quick, quick, before we switch here, uh, there's a lot of guys that I see slipping that I think that could be really, really good. Malachi Flynn from San Diego Mm -hmm. State, second round. Grant Ryler. Uh, 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 from Charleston, uh, uh, Char- uh, Charleston, excuse me, Obi Toppin starting to slide down. <laughs> All he did, Mike, was just the reigning national player of the year. Um, and the big man, the young man from USC, uh, Onyeka Okogu, the, 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 the big man, I can't pronounce right. his name. Uh, this guy's to you, who's that dark horse guy that that Fred Van Vliet, that Draymond Green, that Rudy Gobert? Not a lot of people talking about, but you can see. Be a sleeper that rises up. Chevy, we, you already brought his name up, Obi Toppin. I mean, I've seen this guy play in person. I've, I've seen it. And, I, and I, yeah. I, I told you, I was skeptical. <laughs> I was skeptical about this guy because I didn't see what the hype was. I didn't see any flashy plays when I saw him on TV. I didn't see, I, I didn't understand where he got this top five potentially consider, potential top two or three consideration from. But then when I watched him live, it all made sense. The brother can do it all. I mean, he defensively, he's a workhorse. He works hard on the defensive side of the ball, can get rebounds. He knows how to find his players. His floor presence is very special. And also, he finds different ways to put the ball in the hole. On the block, he can make it happen. Mid-range, he's got it. And he's I'm sure oh, throughout, this, throughout his tenure in the NBA, he will work on his three-point shot to be more consistent than what it is because that's just what the NBA has come to. You have to have a three-point shot to be uh, effective in certain areas. So Obi Toppin is that guy for me because the fact that he's sliding – Means means that somebody's gonna get him, that's that's gonna appreciate his greatness, and he's gonna be even more motivated to to prove those other teams that picked that slid on him, that that overlooked him. He's gonna be even more motivated to prove why he should have been drafted higher than what he was. Agreed there as well. The kid is polished, man. Offensive man. game. There's not there's no weaknesses in the offensive game. Defensively, I think he's got the size and the attributes. I think it's just effort. Just like Jason Tatum came in the league, he wasn't a defensive guy. Now, all of a sudden, you think about him as a two-way guy. So, I see the same comparisons with Obi. Not in the style of play, but also just yeah. effort. If not the skill set, I think defensively, he'll be a guy that can uh, uh, um, do some stuff. I've got two names for you, Mike, and they played in the same yeah. conference. Marcus Howard out of Marquette mm-hmm. and also Miles Powell from Seton Hall. We know in today's game, it's guard play. Those guys, they <laughs> – Mike – 
in today's game, you got to be able to create your own shot. Marcus Howard can do that, and we know Miles Powell, as a certified bucket getter, can do that. And the thing that they do best, Mike, is they can get guys involved, particularly Howard and also Miles Powell. He can make the most difficult shots (laughs) and the most difficult circumstances. They're they're starting to be late first-rounders, early seconds, but I think those are two guys that maybe off the bench or even maybe starting positions, if they get in the right system, that can be a golden, golden uh, uh, steal in, in, in those late gyms. Seven, you never lied. I watched both of, those, both of those guys covering Georgetown in the Big East tournament when they played Georgetown. I mean, Marcus Howard, he's just a straight-up bucket getter. He's really a knockdown shooter. He really can – he knocks down shots. He can pull up in transition. That's his game. He's really is a shooter. He's a marksman from anywhere. But Miles Powell, you can make the case that Miles Powell is already an NBA player because Miles Powell had an opportunity to come out to the draft the year before, and it didn't work out, so he went back to school. But Miles Powell has been an NBA foreman and had that NBA feel to his game ever since last year. And last year, and last year in college basketball, you saw how dominant he was and how easy the game was for him on that level. I, I'm intrigued to see how he looks on um, in the NBA because um, he's already he's already headed there mentally. I feel like he's already an NBA player and in NBA form right now. But yeah, those two picks uh, offensively for what they can bring to the table, they're NBA players for sure. Yeah, they are NBA players there for sure. The college football season, Mike, this week was special weekend that just passed two top ten matchups. We had Clemson and Notre mm. Dame. Uh, uh, one versus four in South Bend. Biggest game in Notre Dame since maybe uh, Joe Montana, right? Like, it's been years since uh, Notre Dame had a big game like that in South Bend. Um, I, I thought Clemson were supposed to be the underdog. They weren't. I picked Notre Dame to win this game because I thought that although Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing, which was huge, obviously, um, it was just tough for a true freshman on the road Big game, hostile environment, although, you know, they're still limited with the capacity for him to play. And we saw that he got rattled. Now, he'd made some great plays, Mike. But we saw at the end, it was a great ball game. We saw at the end that Ian Book and the defense of the Notre Dame was the difference. And, and Notre Dame, I think, Mike, is under the radar. They have great offensive line, great run game, um, and they play solid defense. I think the difference to them is what Ian Book is yeah. going to do. If he can be the guy that can lead them to the guy, and and do they have a guy on outside that can win one win on one matchups? I think that's the thing for Notre Dame if they want to have hopes for a, a college football trophy. But um, they they got it done in overtime, and I have a weird feeling like these two teams might meet up again in the yeah. ACC I have a weird feeling about that as well because because of Notre Dame winning this game and not Clemson, it almost um hinders. It, it, and it puts UNC in a tough position to where they need help now in order to make to make it to that point. Uh, so, so you're right. Clemson versus Notre Dame. It looks more like the the the, the more realistic. Uh, I wouldn't say count on Miami. I wouldn't Mike. count on Miami. I wouldn't count on Miami neither. But um, you know, it's it's it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting. Um, Miami uh Miami has some things to work on for me to 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 put them as a lock as put it put them on the same stratosphere as these two teams. But this looks like the more realistic uh, uh, matchup between the two. This right here, this game right here on Saturday was the best college football game this season um, so far because of the stakes and how it turned out. It was a great game. And like, like you said, I'm glad you brought it up because this game really came down to Ian Book. You know, Notre Dame dominated the first half offensively, putting up 23 points. Defensively, they made some plays. But in the second half, when everything was going wrong for them, when Clemson outscored them 20-3 to going into that last drive, Ian Book said no. We are going to take this ball down the field. We're going to drive this ball, and we're going to overtime. And when they went into overtime, they made enough plays to make it happen. And you, so like you said, DJ, he's phenomenal. He's going to be the future of Clemson football for the next two two years, two or three years or so. Uh, he's that special. And um, th- this is one of those games where you know it was it was a great um, it was a great lesson for him to learn because you go against one of the top five teams in the country. And you have a great performance, but you see that you your your youth and your inexperience in the pressurized clutch moments showed, especially in that overtime and uh, and, and, and and latter part of the uh, the fourth quarter. So, you're, you he's the future of Clemson football. But Ian Book showed you why right now is his time, 
and his season, his moment, and he made sure he capitalized on every situation he could when the time mattered. Yep, I would agree there as well. Another a top 10 matchup was the rivals, the yeah. Georgia versus Florida. Yeah. This is for the SEC East title. Typically, Mike, the winner of this game gets a trip to Atlanta to take on, we presume, Alabama. And I think the Gators, what a statement that they made, Mike. Kyle Trask, Mike, I mean, is if he's, he's not over. in he's filthy he's right over. now, like, I mean, I don't know who is, Mike. Over 474 through the air, four TDs, another one on the ground. The Gators, they can say they've got their best quarterback since maybe Tim Tebow. Mm. Yeah, man, Florida. Florida was special, man. Florida's a great football team on all levels. This, this team was down 14 to nothing going, um, late in the first quarter. Florida outscored them 38 to 7 before halftime. Trash had 300, right. almost 300 plus yards at halftime. This guy was flinging the ball all over the field, finding his receivers. I mean, he, the brother has weapons all over the field. I mean, you got you have Kyle Pitts. So having Kyle Pitts is all, already going to attract a lot of attention from the defense. But on top of Pitts, you have the ability to use him as a decoy and, and, and get your other receivers open. They have three or four bona fide receivers, players that they can get the ball in their hands, or, along with a very solid and a very physical offensive line. And their running back Pierce is special as well. So this offense along with what Kyle Trash brings to the table. I mean this this is it's just special man watching them play. They're very fun to watch. They um they they give opponents a def- defensively they give them fits and uh you saw that and you saw later in the game how Florida's defense started to mesh started to mesh and started to come together as one and they started to play a lot better. I mean this Florida team top to bottom show why they're a top 5 team and this Georgia team show why they were a fraudulent they were a very fraudulent top five team uh, in their own right. And then that's why they boosted all the way down. They dropped all the way down to number 12 because this Georgia team, although they came into this game four and one, they were not very impressive to me throughout the season. You know, very, very lackadaisical to say the least, playing down to their competition, just not looking like the normal Georgia team that we've seen in recent memory. And uh, it showed today against a very formidable Florida team. Florida is the real deal. Kyle Trask is a Heisman Trophy candidate. And uh, I look forward to seeing what Florida does in the future as far as, you know, going against tougher competition, uh, solidifying themselves as a top five team. Yeah, they're here and down here in Gainesville, uh, here in Florida. I've heard them screaming, <laughs> Mike. They're, they're chopping, they're chopping, they're chopping here in the swamp. The Gators are back. I think the Gators are back in Kyle Trask, Mike. Remember this name. He's going to oh, yeah. be playing on Sundays. This guy is special. Uh, legit 6'3", cannon of an arm, deadly accurate. I mean, we're talking – this guy throws lasers and darts, and we saw that um, there. And you write, Mike, Kyle Pitts maybe maybe the best tight end, receiving tight end in the country. They use him as decoys, and they get guys mm-hmm. like Tooney, uh, the special guy, um, in the slot. They move him out wide. Reminds me of a young, shifty Percy Harvin that they had in Florida during the days of Tim Tebow. They can line him up in the backfield, out wide, in the slot. He can play the X and the Y, and they use him to create matchups for them and. You watch the game, Mike. The, the Gators was beating the Bulldogs, who had the top, you know, scoring defense in the league in the SEC coming in uh, with just simple plays, and, and they were out and up. They were just <laughs> the real routes. They they killed them on all the real routes, Mike. The real routes. They the, the announcers said that. I thought it was quite <laughs> pathetic, Mike. The real routes kept yep. on beating them. They just kept on beating them. But the Florida Gators are back. I think they're on track to make it to Atlanta and potentially a heavyweight clash against the uh, uh, the uh, mighty, mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, maybe Texas A&M might have to say, to say about that. But um, I, I think that the Gators now have a straight, narrow set to go to Atlanta. Their schedule is very favorable. Yeah, it definitely is. And I'm glad you brought up Texas A&M because that is the one loss that Florida has this year was going to Texas A&M. And it looks well, Mike, for the committee. Yeah, if it comes down to that, that, that loss exactly. does look good. Huge... The more A&M continues to win, the more, the more, the that, more, that the more valuable the that win looks, you know, in their eyes. And that, that was mm-hmm. a huge win for them, but uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, Florida, they, they, right now they control, they, they control their destiny. They're in the driver's seat. And there's going to be a, a, a heavyweight uh, fight the rest of this way to see who makes it to Atlanta, who, who faces Alabama in that SEC championship. You're absolutely right. 
right, right here as well. Now, some of the not so much teams, uh, Michigan, right? Their worst loss under uh, Jim Harbaugh against Indiana. Mike, Indiana is not supposed to be a basketball school, right? Indiana all of a sudden put it on them. There were thoughts saying that this could be Harbaugh's best uh, team ever, and they just got walloped in Bloomington, Indiana, and now they're unranked. Mike, I, it's I, I think Jim was already in the hot seat. He might be. Yeah, it's boiling. <laughs> he, he it's boiling. It's, in it's, 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 it's almost it's almost over with at this point. You know, every year we 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 say Jim Harbaugh is in the hot seat, and we wonder it really comes down to that game against Ohio State whether or not he's going to keep his job or whether or not, you know, going into next season, is he going to continue to be in the high seat? But at this point, you don't even have to wait for the Ohio State game because he's already he's already uh, got the pot boiling before we even get to that point, three or four games into their season. And a lot of it isn't always all on him. You have a lot of players who are missing because of the COVID, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot of different uh, – Every everything is a lot of lopsided this year. You have situations where you have – uh, some seven and O teams going against two and O teams who started their season late. So it's a, it's, it's it's very different n- n- now compared to other 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 uh, seasons in the past. But at the same time, this Michigan team does not look uh, uh, organized. They do not they, they they do not look disciplined. They do, are not functioning as a as a team right now, and it's showing. Indiana, I'm I'm, I'm going to give some credit to Indiana. Indiana is a special ball club. You know they came into this game ranked top 15, 13th, I believe, um, on Saturday. And they show why. They show why they're a formidable team because they, they can flip, they can throw the football, they can run the football, they have special weapons on the outside. This Indiana team is going to be a force to be reckoned with. They're going to a bowl game for sure uh, coming up. But um, this is this told this told me a lot about Michigan and the fact how inept they look and how inept they are as a team this year. And uh, it it just it doesn't look good for it doesn't look good for Harbaugh right now. It doesn't look Harbaugh as well. We'll see. Thirteenth ranked Wisconsin goes into the big house in Michigan this week. Uh, Wisconsin, four-point favorite. That's not an easy game at all. Wisconsin, very good running game. Very good running game. They'll be tested, uh, uh, Michigan, for sure, on that game. We shift to week 11. Not big. The biggest game this week, Mike, we're probably not going to see the reigning champions, LSU, hosting number one Alabama. Number Alabama, you know, catapulted. Uh, Clemson after their loss um, in, in, in last week, Clemson sliding to four. Number one Alabama at LSU, Ed Orgeron versus Nick Saban. I, I think Bama's trying to get some upset. They're trying to get some payback for what happened last year. But I mean, Joe Burrows, they don't grow on trees. We're not going to see that, Mike, because of COVID 19 again, uh, uh, postponing things. In fact, three games in the SEC. Won't get to see number five A and M at Tennessee. We won't be able to see that as well. So the marquee matchup of this week, Alabama at LSU in Death Valley. Um, yeah, we're have to wait we a few are. Weeks like I said, this, this COVID nineteen situation is um is really is really um not not it's not only messing up the, the the messing up the the games and stuff for the viewers, but it's messing up the the rhythm for these players and these teams because people got to understand when you're playing football and you're in a certain rhythm. And and you're in midseason form, and you've been you've been consistently practicing day by day, and you're on a certain routine. You're mentally on on this uh this path. When you get cut off, and you have to take a week off or two weeks off, that throws off everything. You have to come back, and you have to you have to get back in rhythm. Back, you have to you have to get back to that form that you were in before you had to stop. And it's it's, it's much more difficult than people that have, who haven't played the game w- would think. And this is one of those situations that's going to be for them. LSU. Is a team that you know hasn't really has that hasn't uh, been the same ever since last, you know losing all of the, most of their players to the NFL draft last year um, with that dominant team coming off the championship. But at the same time, for Alabama's perspective, this is going to be tough for them because not only does you know for the games, it's, it's going to be tough for them losing games and moving forward after this game, this LSU game that's supposed to happen on Saturday. Depending on how how much longer they have to stop, they have to close. They might have to close their entire um, facilities. To where they can't practice Facilities, and yep. like that. So that matters because not only can you not practice with your team, but you won't be able to watch film with the coaches. You won't be able to interact with them and really get to, get to, get the mental part of the game down as well. That's a key piece, and it's going to be tough. But, uh, but you know, this is a – Nick say, what does Nick Saban preach? No excuses, no nonsense. 
uh, find a way to adapt to any situation and don't let the outside distractions control your control what you can control. So at the same time, w- having said all that, you you have you have a leader like Nick Saban who who's not ready to hit no excuses. He's going to have his team ready to go when, whenever they, whenever they're able to come back and play this game and continue the season. Yep, indeed. So indeed. So uh, we'll see. The reschedule and reshift, we'll see how the schedule makers switch that game for um, a marquee matchup in the SEC West, uh, for sure there. I think oh, that sir. pretty much wraps it up for tonight. Yes, right? I have a last, last point. You know where I'm going stops. with this one. The brother, uh, I, people need to start paying attention to the Maryland Terrapins. Tua Tagovailoa's little brother, Talia Tagovailoa, is special. Sebi, this brother, is special. He's on another level. This, this guy, what he's doing in Maryland right now, and the, the freedom that head coach Lockley, Lockley has given this guy to go out there and perform is, is great. Sebi Maryland offensively, what he did against uh, Minnesota last week, coming back down 38-21 in the fourth. He came back in overtime, and they won 45-44. And the dominant performance in the second and the fourth quarter. This game against Penn State on Saturday, I mean, he flat out dominated from the jump. It was at one point they were up 35-7 to on this team. And he he just puts up efficient numbers. He knows when to when to throw the ball down the field. He knows how to pick what the defense gives him. He knows when to run, when to pass. Not only does is he having a great great season, their running back Jake Funk is having a great season as well. This offensive line is playing out of their minds. This defense is starting to come to form. They have weapons on the outside offensively like Demas Jr. and others. I mean, this Maryland Terrapins football team is special, Sevy. And because of Talia Tagovailoa and what he's bringing to the table, I think people need to watch out. And, and I'm telling you right now, that game, Maryland against Ohio State, I'm telling you right now, that, that's the game. That's the game. Yeah, I was just about to bring to that up, Circle Mike. on their calendar because Ohio State has been very dominant this year. However, they also have played down to their competition. So we'll see how that fares against the Maryland team because Maryland is coming. And they are looking for Ohio State. I'm not. I'm not saying there's a guarantee they're going to beat them, but I'm telling you right now, that's a marquee matchup in the Big Ten this year. You heard it first <laughs> from the DMV guy himself, the Terrapins, 26 point underdogs, Mike. It sounds like you're saying that they, the Terrapins. I, I have. May come. I have them covered for sure. <laughs> okay. They're going to cover, in my opinion, and it's going to be a much closer ball game than people are giving them credit for. Much closer ball game. Remember this. I, I, Hey, you're on record, Mike. You are on record. Next week, we will bring this Justin Fields, Ryan Day, that high-octane offense coming to town. We'll see if that prediction, if you stand standing by that and keeping that same energy next week, <laughs> see what Tyler Left Tackle Valoa does against um, a, a, a huge Big Ten opponent uh, there. Um, that wraps it up for us tonight, uh, folks. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and, frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SebiPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, The Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.